horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks so much for joining us once again. Uh, hope uh, most of you enjoyed uh, opening day. Uh, if you're a baseball fan, it was canceled in Cincinnati. The Reds that were always the uh, the season opener, but uh, not this week. Uh, bad bad weather in the area. But anyhow, I hope you're having a great time wherever you are, and uh, hope everybody has a very happy. Uh, Easter weekend, whatever way you celebrate it. I know I'll be jacked up on chocolate and sugar like everybody else around this house. But anyhow, I want to welcome you to the show and I'll let you know who our guests are going to be for this week. And the first guest, he's been on before, and his name is Terry Meeks. And uh, Terry Meeks is uh, the, the top spot in the Racing Guild. Of course, we lost uh, uh, Jose Luis Flores uh, last week, and recently uh, they've uh, put out a statement uh, about the response of the racing industry in general to some of the needs of the jockeys and you know, establishing the jockey injury database and uh, different other uh things that they're trying to institute for the safety of these. I mean, without a doubt, I, I think they're the best all-around athlete in the world, considering the fact that they, they, they don't have pads. They have a very small helmet. They do have a small safety vest that has to be very light because of the amount of weight they carry. 1,200-pound animals surrounded by other 1,200-pound animals, hooves flying. You start out locked in a steel metal cage uh, that could flip and break your back at uh, any point in time. Uh, jockeys, and, and it just kills me when I when I hear other people go, yeah, but you know the horse is athlete. Well, most jockeys give their winning credit to the horse, and a lot of people say it's like 90-10, but that does not change the factor that these guys are risking their life every time they get on horseback, and I don't mean just in the afternoons. I have a very good friend who I visit with regularly. Uh, she can't walk up steps anymore, uh, has uh, punctured, well, she's being treated for punctured heart, punctured lung, ribs, collarbone, uh, hip and ankles, uh, knee, you name it. Uh, morning workout, bad step, went down. So you just can't underestimate what these people go through to hone their craft, and they should be admired, and they should be kept safe. So we're going to talk to Terry Meeks about some of the continued strides and, surprisingly, some of the pushback that that they're getting from some of the tracks that aren't going along with them. So uh, we'll see what Terry has to say on that. And then uh, my buddy uh, Eric Wing uh, from Horse Tourneys was help me land Bob Montgomery. Uh, Bob Montgomery is one of the many Canadian handicappers that seem to be dominating the contest these days. And Bob Montgomery is uh, just uh, coming out a $235,000 victory at the uh, Horse Players World Series uh, in or at the Orleans in Las Vegas. And uh, sounds like an interesting guy. He's up there north of the border, and uh, he's going to handicap 
the sensational Gulfstream Park card that is going to be on for Saturday. I knew I couldn't get my buddy Pete Aiello. He's out hobnobbing it tonight somewhere in Miami. But, of course, we have the Florida Derby, a race that's produced three of the last five Kentucky Derby winners. I want to get Bob's read on that. And then the ladies will be going to post. Boy, 13-horse field. They want those Oaks points. And, again, this will be the Gulfstream Park Oaks, grade two. They'll be going a mile and a 16th. Uh, then some other interesting races. The return of the Kentucky Derby winner, Always Dreaming. This now four-year-old has not won a race since the Kentucky Derby. was last seen in the Traverse Stakes, backing up and losing by 18 lengths. I think Johnny V just wrapped up on him when he knew he wasn't going to do it. So he's been in training uh, for Todd Pletcher ever since. And Todd started uh, tightening up the works a little bit and comes into this race off two bullets. And quite frankly, I think a mile is going to suit him well. He's only run a mile once, and he won that race. So the return of Always Dreaming. And you may recall a couple of months back, we had on uh, a friend of mine, a great uh, guy, uh, uh, who started out, quote, as a little guy, and now he's rose up through the ranks. He's training graded stakes winners, and that's Tim Glyshaw. He's going to sell it in Bullard's Alley to post in the Pan American. It's a grade two, going a mile and a half, a rare distance uh, on the grass uh, at Gulfstream Park. Uh, Bullard's Alley, though, has had two really close calls in his last two races, just missing getting up, uh, you know, a mile and a half. 12 starts, two wins, two seconds, and a third for earnings of almost $700,000. But also in the gate in the Pan American is Sadler's Joy, who won this race last year and has also won three of six efforts at a mile and a half. And he has won just short of a million dollars at this specific distance on the grass. That's amazing. Trained by Tom Albertini. You won't see him. He'll be in another zip code for the first two-thirds of the race. But he comes flying. Regular rider Julian Le Paru will be in the saddle. And uh, if time allows, we're going to try to see if uh, we, we can't get with Bob Montgomery on the grade three Honey Fox Stakes. That's a mile on the turf for the older ladies. So, that's a lot to put on your plate. So uh, what you want to do is you want to go and pull down the easy win forms at winnieponies.com, where, of course, we give you the most from coast to coast. I uh, had a nice hit at Golden Gate, only a 50-cent super high five, paid $4,320 earlier this week. <coughs> Excuse me. A little bit of a cough there. Um, and uh, way down yonder in New Orleans, uh, nailed them uh, twice. Uh, and uh, this was uh, today. Both of these wins today, hot off the Winning Ponies Easy Win Forms. A $1 pick five that paid $694. And a $1 pick four that paid 436 So a lot of great handicapping action. Get your Easy Win Forms at winningponies.com. And uh, speaking of my friend Eric Wing at Horse Tur Attorneys, they're going to host its richest race event ever. 
this weekend. It's a 15-race tourney with a pot of up to $150,000 and $100,000 guaranteed. Now, here's how it works. You get a mythical $2 win-and-place selection on each of the 15 races, and the highest total score wins. If the contest sells out at 240 entries, the winner will receive $60,000, and prizes will be paid down to the 20th place. Now, to get in, it's going to cost you a little bit, but for that kind of money and the richest contest ever, uh, it's 695 each, and you can uh, get a maximum of two entries. The races are going to be from Gulfstream, Aqueduct, San Anita, and uh, the first races are going to go off at 3.13 on Saturday afternoon. So, uh, you know, you, you'll get a plenty of time to handicap. For more information, uh, go visit Eric over at horsetourneys.com and pull down those easy win forms uh, when, when you do it. So, uh, uh one thing, again, I, I, I told you about uh, Terry Meeks and some of the things that are happening uh, with the Jockeys Guild. Uh, let's uh, say a prayer for uh, Jockey Fernando Perez. He hasn't ridden since December of 2016, and he continues to face health problems related to concussion and bleeding on the brain from an injury. So uh, he visited Santa Anita recently to acquaint himself with a lot of uh, good old friends. So he's just not sure uh, if, if he'll be back again. I mentioned that the accidents don't just happen uh, in the afternoons. That was a morning workout where Perez was injured. Now, one of the races that we handicapped last week, I thought I had the winter cold coming around the turn when the player started to make his move with Calvin, Calvin Burrell. He was on the front end the whole way and then inexplicably started to back up and then back up and then Calvin eased him. And uh, he has, uh, uh, sad to say, he suffered fractionoid sesamoids in that race now so far the news from buff bradley is good they have been able to stabilize him and he's reacting well i don't know if you've ever been up on the players facebook page or have seen anything about him. this is a horse you have to wake up to go to the races he is one laid-back horse i've ever never seen either a horse that sits down in his stall like a dog. So they told the vets, they said, look, don't be concerned if you have too much trouble getting him up because A, he doesn't want to get up and B, when he gets up, he gets up kind of weird. So, uh, you know, prayers go out, you know, to uh, Buff Bradley uh, and to the player. They say he's been a good patient and we hope that, uh, that he pulls through. Now, don't forget this Saturday, in addition to all that great action that's going to happen at Gulfstream, there are the races from Dubai, so they'll be easy enough. Now, they're going to be earlier in the day. And uh, West Coast right now is uh, looks like he is going to be the favorite in the big one, the $10 million Dubai World Cup. Bob Baffert pleased with the way uh, that he is training. He's got that outside uh, speed, and he's going to break from the outside, only one horse outside of him. Now, um, Gunavera had a hoof bruise and didn't look too good two days ago, but just pulled down a recent story, and they say that uh, after a long foot soaking, because there's too late for any drugs over there, change of shoes, that he was much improved by this morning. So Gunavera is going to go back in the race, and they said, take care of this horse for the next 24 hours. He'll be good for the race. So Gunavera is going to make it in. And of course, XY Jet is ready to take off in the Golden Shanine. And uh, he has just been truly unbelievable uh, in his recent start. He's coming off a layoff. He'll do fine. Now, last week at the fairgrounds, 
the Louisiana Derby. It was Noble Indy. Johnny V and Todd Pletcher, surprise, surprise, they threw blinkers on the son of Take Charge Indy, and Noble Indy got the job done uh, over Lone Sailor and way on the outside, losing a lot of grounds. But I it was impressed by my boy Jack. And then it was the Fairgrounds Oaks, a race that's had a lot of implications in the Kentucky Oaks. And uh, the winner in there was Chocolate Martini, 13 to 1. Tom Amos winning down in New Orleans, his hometown. Chocolate Martini, very impressive. In the uh, second spot, it was Eskimo Kisses, who was widest of all and just missed. And again, in that New Orleans handicap with the player at four to five off the board the winner with a hand ride taking control bill mott trainee good samaritan got the job done and then uh we do did want to give a salute to uh mervin or ramon munez in the grade two handicap named after them and the winner in there who rated very well and closed strongly was synchrony joe bravo up this horse likes to come from way out of it just like he did in the fairgrounds handicap Got the job done, trainer Michael Stidham. All right, exciting racing last week. A lot on the card this week and a lot happening in our industry concerning the guys that get those horses across the finish line, the jockeys. We're going to take a quick little break here. and we come back, we're going to be talking to Terry Meeks, who heads up the Jockeys Guild. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, a gentleman that's been on this show before. He has a very, very important job in the racing industry. It's Terry Meeks. He holds up the Jockey Guild with the help of some fine regional directors. And Terry Meeks, welcome once again to Winning Ponies. 
Thank you very much, John, for having me. All right. Well, listen, I, I know it's been uh, it's been a, a tough week uh, in the racing community with the, with the the loss of Jose Luis Forez. I, I, I guess. The, the overflow crowd that wanted to pay tribute to him was so big that they had to move out of the funeral parlor and actually move him over to the racetrack uh, where they closed off the third floor for all the people in attendance. Well, they said they probably had over a thousand people at the track and, and the third floor. Uh, I did talk to Tony Black earlier today and he said he hadn't seen it such a crowd in such a long time at, at the day of the races, which is a good thing. It shows that he was loved by many within our industry. Well, I didn't realize um, at his age, 57, when he when he died back on the 22nd, that he had uh, children that are kind of young. Well, he has a seven-year-old. I talked to his wife today. Um, she was a former rider, and she's a, she was an exercise rider in the up until this, um, but she's had one boy seven years old and he's had by a previous marriage. He had two other boys that right around 20 years old. Well, um, I've got a release that the Guild put out, and I'll get to that in a few minutes. But just now, before I go on the air, I always like to check some of the websites and see if there's any fresh uh, press releases that came out. And um, at uh, yesterday, Frank Angst put out a release that says, Jockeys Guild want paramedics at Eddie every track. I was stunned. Terry, I thought they were at every track. No, John, it's, you know, that's what – it's something we've been – it's one of the things that we've been fighting for. Um, there was an incident, oh, five or six years ago at, at Northern California where a jock, Manuel Chavez, died. And basically, there was EMTs. And, you know, the EMTs at that time were inexperienced and basically um, didn't know what to do. And the the practicing veterinarian had to go in there and take care of the situation. Oh the my rider God. passed away, but you know, it's, you know, there are people, you know, again, you, you want to make sure what we're saying is you need to have, you know, a medical plan on site. They have to be at least paramedics. They need to be found the field at first two or three minutes is so significant in saving lives. Um, and there's so much, a, big difference between EMTs and paramedics, the number of hours that they're trained, um, they do cost more, but the same thing, you know, we're, we need to be all working together and our industry has never worked well together. Um, but at the same time, what we're asking for is not only to help protect and save the lives of jockeys, but exercise riders and, and also help, you know, if we have everything in place that needs to be in place, it helped reduce liabilities for um, the risk of a liability and also the cost of insurance to the racetracks. You know, how much how much we heard over the years that the workers' comp for um, trainers and the cost of the owners have driven people out of the game. So we need to get a plan. There should really be, you know, we've tried to get in the NTRA Safety Integrity Alliance of medical recommendations. That hasn't worked. Um, but really and truly, you look at, you know, what's happened with concussions in the NFL and what they're doing at the helmets. You know, we've been working over the years with Dr. Sills, who used to be at Vanderbilt, um, 
I've got to know them through uh, Bert Firestone. Um, and now they're coming out with how, you know, new ways of not using the helmet, not to hit, use the helmet to hit. Um, but we need something like a Dr. Sills in our industry, it's like a chief medical director, to say, here's what we need to have in place um, to prevent injuries um, and, and or deaths and you know, the peril, you know, we've got a number of jocks, you know, each year we get two, two or three jocks that pass away, two or three jocks that are paralyzed. But, you know, we've got to do a whole bunch of things to help our entire industry. And, and be honest with you, it's been lacking in our industry. And I'm third generation, and it's a shame. It, it, it is, and I'll, I'll share a brief story with you. Uh, at the last track I worked at, my office door went into – uh, where the paramedics were and where the, the uh, uh, EMTs, uh, you know, took their breaks and things like that. And uh, I got to know several of them, but they rotated them in and out. So every day there'd be three different people there. And uh, they, they did have paramedics and they, they, uh, they follow the parameters there. But I said, so what, what do you usually treat? You know, and they go, well, you know, a lot of times we'll get an old woman at the Cincinnati Reds game that'll you know twist her ankle going down the steps, or you know we'll get somebody to get you know in, in injured at a Bearcats game. Now, obviously, not the players because they've got their own team doctors. I, I feel that there should be, if you're going to accept that role of of being a, an EMT or a paramedic at a track, a that there should be a, a specific training session for these people because. They're going to see injuries probably that they're not expecting to see, and they're going to have to react rather quickly. Is there any place that has a training program to work with them? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there's a couple of things that we've been working with. We got in Kentucky an athletic trainer at you know at the tracks from it's going it's a, a student at the University of Kentucky. So that's one thing. The Maryland Jockey Club and in conjunction with the THA, the Horseman's Organization, has brought in MedStar um, for morning training and, and afternoon racing. And MedStar takes care of the Baltimore Ravens and, uh, and the Orioles and some other high school teams and pro, you know, um, professional leagues in Maryland. And I think that's so very important that, that we need to have. Would you believe that we do not, and we've been at the Guild, been at the forefront for the last seven or eight years trying to get concussion protocols in place. We do not have, now we're making progress in Kentucky. We do in a couple of years ago, we started a pilot program and we're making progress. But throughout the country to this day, we do not have one concussion protocol in place or return to right guidelines. You know, it's been approved by the, uh, any racing commission. And it's so very, you know, and we're seeing so many more head injuries today than in the past. And it's, well, you it's know, ludicrous. It really is a shame. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are watching, you know, uh, the, 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 the road to the final four. And, you know, when all of a sudden a kid goes down, he bangs his head, boom, you got some. They're taking him back in the locker room. They got a protocol. They're ready to go. I mean, we know how important this has become in sports. And for a sport that could cause such a traumatic injury in such a quick, short amount of time, what you're telling me is it, it's shaking me up. It's mind-boggling. You know, we had Ramon Dominguez's doctor, Ramon 
uh, neurologist. They spoke at the annual assembly five, six years ago, and he was basically saying high school girls soccer teams are so much further advanced than, you know, our industry. We're probably 12 years, 14 years behind other countries in, you know, concussion protocol and, you know, everything in this, whether it be in Ireland and UK, UK, Great Britain, you know, they have so many programs that benefits the jockeys and and their well-being. We've got basically, you know, you know, just the guild and we have opposition to the guild and stuff like that. But the one thing what the guild has done since I got involved in 2007, we've given back to our members like over $12 million in benefits. Um, to, to, you know, increase their benefits, whether it be life insurance or AD&D policies or reimbursements for health insurance, but we need to do more. Just in the last month, we do temporary disability every two weeks. In the middle of March, we had 69 riders out on temp- temporary disability that's been injured in the last several months. Now, they have to get the first report of accidents to us, so we know it's legit. 69 riders that we paid over $26,000 for a two-week period. Yesterday, we signed checks for 62 riders. It cost $24,000. You know, we're seeing, you know, and that's why, you know, and also the tracks have to pay out temporary disability as well. So, you know, all these injuries, you know, mount up against those racetracks, you know, and or in workers' comp states, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, or California, the cost, you know, it's astronomical, and it's, you know, it's had problems in the past in California. New York's has problems today. Maryland's went through a crisis, you know, not a crisis, but turmoil or problems over the last eight or nine years. But we need to, as an industry, come together and make sure we protect what's best interest of the horse and the rider, and we need to take care of them. And we're not doing it. Well, it seems like a win-win. I mean, you know, uh, the tracks are only going to look like the good guys uh, if they're on their team. But when I read this one line from uh, the the, uh, document that was put out by uh, G.R. Carter, John Velasquez, and yourself, um, the line was that, unfortunately, this initiative has received little support from racetracks and regulators. I had to take a step back because I thought we were going in the other direction. We made progress, but at the same time, you, you know, it's there's you know the, we have and the one thing we've done you mentioned earlier that you know got got regional managers that do a good job and Jeff Johnson's you know a regional manager for this area, you know with was Jeff and myself and Mindy Coleman and a few other ones you know the other regional managers Herbie Rivera John Beach and Daryl Hare, you know we've developed an excellent report with regulators in on a subcommittee for the model rules. The way it's set up, you go to this committee and you get a model rule passed and you work on it. You, you like to work with the industry to get a rule and consensus and get it passed. Then once it's passed, you have to go back to the 37 jurisdictions to get it passed and get it adopted. And it doesn't always work out that way. And there's a major flaw with that. And like I said, we've got an excellent rapport with the regulators, but then going back to each jurisdiction, it doesn't 
you know, for whatever reason, whether it be the tracks in some instances, the, the, um, they're opposed to it or the horsemen's organizations opposed to it, you know, or the regulators and saying they don't have the money for that state. You know, and again, we've been saying all along, if you can't afford pre-race exams and you can't, which we think is imperative, same thing with paramedics, you shouldn't get a license. I'm sorry. You know, like I said, I'm, as I said earlier, I'm a third generation, love this game, and I think it's a great game and a great industry and a great sport, um, but we need to be working together to make sure it's, you know, everybody's protected. Well, you know, uh, more and more tracks are uh, uh, being associated with or operated by, um, you know, Racino, shall I say. And let me tell you, the scariest word that they ever want to hear is liability. So that's why I can't believe mm-hmm. they're not ahead of the curve. No, they don't. You know, it, it, in their defense, they probably they hire people that's casino background or not in our industry. Um, and basically, you know, they don't know the industry and they're trying to cut corners or stay in the budget. And the first to go is any kind of, you know, safety, you know, whether it be the paramedics compared to EMTs and not spending money in upgrading the ambulance, you know, pre-race exams, you know, you probably need two or three veterinarians in the morning. We don't, why do we need that? Um, but you know, it's, you got to spend money to, you know, to make money, but also to make sure you're protected. The other thing we've been trying to do, you know, we've been, we've been trying to do a couple of things over the last six or seven years. Do you believe our industry doesn't do any data collection? We, we, I shouldn't say we've done it. We started it about six years ago, collecting data on the injury database, but we're getting no support again from regulators per se, but, but more, you know, Keeneland's, you know, there's a few tracks, um, but nobody wants to commit taking, you know, if the jock gets injured or he doesn't get injured, we're asking for a report, what type of horse, what type of distance, the date, the soppy track, track condition, what type of helmets and vests they were wearing, how, you know, what type where the injury occurred at, uh, what type of injury, we're not getting any collection you know we turn it over to university of kentucky it's all hipaa compliant there's no date there's no racetrack there's no jockey's name to it to collect data and but we tried it for a year we we rolled to it about two years ago and after the first year we're basically we didn't get any nobody wanted to come up with any funding to continue it um that's for research and development safety committee you know but you know, we're, nobody's supporting the collecting the data. Um, it's just, it's just mind-boggling to me. Well, uh, Terry Meeks from the Jockey Guild, I, I usually enjoy seeing and conversing with you. Yeah. Uh, this was kind of a difficult night uh, to hear the conversation we had to share. I, I know that you're always amenable to coming back on. Uh, I will have to have you back on. Right now, my producer's banging on the uh, the window across from me and not giving me a very nice look, which means I've got to go to commercial. So, Terry Meeks, thanks for spending time with us here on Winning Ponies this evening. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Okay, going to take a quick break, and we come back. Handicapper extraordinaire from north of the border, Bob Montgomery. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, that intro music in the background is money. And a guy that came away with a nice chunk of money recently from the Horse Players World Series at the Orleans in Las Vegas was none other than Bob Montgomery from north of the border. Bob, how are you doing this evening? I'm very well, John. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. Well, one of my favorite things, and I've been blessed to have so many uh, top handicappers, you know, winners of big contests and guys that are renowned, uh, I, I like to find out their very earliest days, their entrance into racing, and their entrance into starting to go to the betting window. Can you give me your earliest days? Oh, that's pretty easy for me. Um, I was basically born into a standard bred racing family, so as early as four years old, I was jogging racehorses on my grandfather's knee. And then, Get out. Um, yeah, seriously, yeah. And then around uh, 14, I started to uh, go to the racetrack grooming horses for different uh, people who were stabled at my dad's barn. And, uh, of course, the uh, betting came naturally from that. Uh, so were your first bets on standard bred horses? Yes. Yeah, I bet on standard breds right straight through to uh, about 2006. And um, at that time, I was, uh, I was married with a family, and I... Uh, I needed a bit of a break, so I, I, I saw an ad for the um, Orleans contest. So I flew down, and I played in my first contest in 2006, and I've been playing ever since. It's been a good decade for you. Now, uh, because I'll be honest with you, I, I've won my four, fair share of thoroughbred races. I can't cash a $2 show bet at the Trotters. Um, I don't know how you tread... <laughs> I don't know how you transfer one from the other. Uh, did you find it easy to use similar techniques? It sounds like, you know, with, with your hands-on ability uh, w- when you were grooming horses that you certainly, if you're at a track live, that you've got a chance to go down and see who passes the eye test. Uh, exactly, you- exactly. Yeah, a big part of my handicapping is watching the post parade, but uh, there's some very significant difference between the two breeds and uh the standard breeds tend to race every other, every week, and they tend to be a lot more consistent week to week. And we never saw the fluctuations in form that I see in uh, in thoroughbred racing. But the one thing I have tried to bring over to the thoroughbreds is trip handicapping, 
and watching video replays and there it's a lot easier for the thoroughbreds to have uh, hidden trouble that no one picks up on yeah, and uh, you know that's one thing. Years ago, I, I did a television show for years uh, in Cincinnati uh, called The Regular Guy. And before TVG ever did it, I would pull up the replays—not on every race, but on c- certain races we're handicapping. And I had a, uh, through Charleston Broadcasting had a great graphics team, and they would put a circle around horses and yes. te- teach people. Hey, folks, keep an eye on this. Do you see how this horse is making a beautiful move, but the horse in front of him is getting tired and he's lugging in and he's yeah, got to yeah. take up? Just throw that race out. He's back in today. He's got a good post. Um, you know, that's something to watch for. I really enjoyed, you know, teaching people how to watch a race. Now, I know it does take work and it takes time, but I mean, when all of a sudden you can, uh, you know, end up the Orleans uh, clearing over 200,000, that those habits that you get watching races can pay off greatly. Oh, exactly. And, and the nice thing is uh, uh, watching races isn't black and white. I can watch races with the guys I go to the contest with, and we will both focus on something completely different. Uh-huh. So, um, and I think, uh, I think it's just, you know, over, uh, I, tell, uh, I tell my friends, you know, it's all about developing the process that works for you and sticking to that process. Well, uh, that being said, what is your your process? I mean, there are people that specialize in baby races, in turf races, in jockey trainer combinations, in surface changes. Obviously, a good handicapper puts all of those things in play. Uh, what 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 is your process when you open up? I know I know you've delved into the entire Gulfstream Park card for Saturday, and we're going to get into that. But but how does Bob Montgomery approach a day at the races, handicapping-wise? Well, I, I, hopefully I'll be able to show you in the, uh, in the Florida Derby. But uh, the very first thing I do is I, I just review all the horses. And Jim Mazur uh, from Florida talks about karma changes. And uh, basically I'm looking for angles that have worked for me in the past that may lead to a, a value-priced winner because I tend to steer clear of favorites. And um, so... Uh, you know, it could be a change in jockey, a change in trainer, a change in equipment, a change in surface, or a change in distance. And then uh, based on that, I will, I will try to uh, drill down and zero in on, on that horse and see if there's anything that can lead me to a, to a value play. Well, now that angle can pretty much be put into play in any kind of race. Do exactly. you have... Do you have something you feel you excel in, like Turf racing, um, sprinting. I, I uh, love turf racing. I, 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 um, at the Orleans contest, uh, uh, my friend Steve McNaughton told me that uh, of the 45 bets, I cashed on 15 with seven winners, and I think half of them were on turf races. And then I had two maiden races just based on uh, – I do a lot of um, – I use the sibling summary from uh, Daily Racing Farm, and I like to – uh, I like to bet uh, first-time foals, especially out of unraised mares. And then I, I tend to do my other wins were on stake races. And the win by Quip in the Tampa Derby put me over the top. I know, yeah. Eric uh, Wing told me that. You know, I'm like, oh, man, that was sharp. That was very sharp. Yeah, and I uh, tend to like looking for uh, lightly raced younger horses that I think can uh, take a big step forward, and especially in their first start back as a three-year-old. 
Well, um, I'll tell you what. Then, then let's jump. The two I, I told you the two we're definitely going to cover the Florida Derby and the Gulfstream Park Oaks. But with that statement you just made, let's jump to the Gulfstream Park Hard Acre Mile. A three-year-old making his first start back, but his name happens to be Always Dreaming, and the last race he won was called the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> well, I, uh, I. Um I didn't have him in the Derby, and I, I, I didn't cash a single ticket on him, but uh, uh, he's certainly a, a class animal, and uh, he's got top-flight connections. He shows a solid work pattern, and, uh, you know, I, a horse like that I am unlikely to wager on, but I certainly see no reason why he won't win that race. Um, I, too, and I think everybody will. It, it just looks like... Pletcher said, okay, well, let, let's call the cavalry in and we'll start our charge again as a four-year-old. And, and certainly when you look at his workout pattern, it really looks like he's brought him up well. And and, and I think a, a, a one-turn mile is going to absolutely fit him. And it's just so good to see those yeah. bullets. I'm so glad he's back because you always want to see a derby winner come back and, and, and vindicate himself as, as, I don't know if he'll be a champion, but as being a, a, a graded stakes horse that, you know, establishes his exactly. reputation. Yeah. I've yeah. been, uh, as I'm 54, so I've been going to the races for a long, long time. And, you know, um, I can remember the days on the Stanford, Stanford side with uh, Cam Fella, where he would race every week. He would travel from track to track, and he would race as an older horse. And he'd build up such a loyal fan following that they actually had two or three buses of fans following Cam Fella around to different racetracks. So, you know, I honestly believe if we can get horses racing into their four- and five-year uh, ages, then it's a lot better for the sports. Totally agree with you. Okay, let me let me throw one at you. I don't know much about harness racing, but how about Maxwell G., the horse that God loved? <laughs> you know what? That's one I don't know. But, oh, really? Well, he yeah, was kind of the can't. He was the camp fella of, of, of his day, only uh, his owner would always donate 10% of his wins uh, to the church. And it was like after the owner started doing this, it was like this horse was, you know, the man of war of harness racing. That's he just fabulous. took off. That's fantastic, you know. Yeah, and, and we and need feel-good stories in the sport, right? Because a lot of times it's always the bad news that gets publicity. So, so it's always nice when you can have a California chrome um, uh, capture the imagination of, of North America. Yeah, of little people. Just, just one more comment on Maxwell G. He, that were, there, there was a book called Maxwell G. The Horse of Gallo. He would autograph it at the tracks, and they would dip <laughs> his foot on an ink pad. And if you brought the book, he would step on your book and autograph it for you. I thought that was great. But well, I, I always I, say, you know, we always, we always have to be open to learning new things, and I learned something new today. Well, we also need ambassadors of the sport, and you sound like you are one, and I, and I love that because our sport's not going to flourish on its own. We need people to bring people to the track. We need people to get uh, excited about racing and give them a reason, um, and uh, there's different angles that we can use. You know, I've basically been in marketing uh, of, of racing for most of my life, and, and there's different modes and methods that you can do but i don't think there's anything better than the personal touch of you talking to a friend who goes oh so you handicap oh so you go to the races and exactly. you go yeah going saturday jump in my car <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and uh you know all um 
you know, I haven't met anyone yet who doesn't love going out to the barns and being around the horses and, um, and seeing the passion and the dedication of, of, you know, all those hardworking individuals that uh, make this game great. It's, it's not a job, it's a lifestyle. And uh, it's seven days a week, 365 days a year. And I have the utmost respect for all those people. And if you listen to the first segment, the utmost respect uh, uh, for, for those guys that are guiding them through the reins and going through seven pairs of goggles while switching sticks uh, and changing horses' leads and the danger that they face every day. It's just amazing. When you bring that to the forefront and teach people about it, you go, you got to be kidding me. That guy's wearing such amazing six athletes. Uh, I'm, in, I'm in awe, especially, you know, the older jocks like Gary Stevens and John Velasquez, and it's just, it's unbelievable what athletes they are. It is. Well, um, let's talk about some of those athletes that, that have some uh, rides in the Florida Derby. I'm going to paint with a broad brush, and Bob Montgomery, handicap and champion, I'm going to let you take from there, okay? We're going to see. This is a race that produced three of the last five Kentucky Derby winners. We've got the Fountain of Youth rematch. Strike power draws the rail. He's got good early foot. But who's got, who had better early foot in the Fountain of Youth was Promises Fulfilled, who, if you enjoy watching, going back and watching race replays, this horse was really game in the final 16th. Has never been off the board for uh, Dale Romans, who knows how to train a good horse. But then let's uh, not forget um, a horse that's gotten faster every start. Gee, you never heard the names Todd Pletcher and John Velasquez in the same sentence. A uh, half a million dollar into mischief that's gotten faster every start, uh, but seems to be kind of rateable. He has the best buyer coming into this race. I'm just wondering, can he rate and benefit from a speed duel between strike power and promises fulfilled, or will he get sucked into it? Um, I uh, personally, I believe he can. He can just sit off the hot pace. And, and run by them in the stretch. Um, but whenever I, the first thing I did when I looked at this race was, again, I tried to focus on those karma changes or those angles. And, uh, you know, I found it very interesting that I Rad Ortiz switched from Promises Fulfilled to Catholic Boy. And, um, you know, Catholic Boy was extremely good as a two-year-old, um, you know, racing in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf and being very competitive in that race. And, you know, it could easily be argued that that Tampa Bay race was simply a prep for bigger and better things. Um, and then the other, uh-huh. and then, you know, one of the other things that jumped up out at me was uh, Bill Mott entering a, a horse that's only, is only making its third lifetime start in the Fountain of Youth. And, you know, Mott is known as very conservative horseman. And for him to enter this horse, I think, shows a great deal of confidence. And when I went back and looked at his uh, sibling summary, he's from an extremely well-bred family. He, he has two stake-winning siblings who were excellent racehorses. So, you know, it could be, and he's got one of my favorite jockeys in Jose Ortiz riding. So uh, this horse could really step forward. And the, the third thing that I picked up when I did my karma change analysis was the blinkers on Mississippi. And after I went back and looked at all his replays, I was really impressed with the race when he was second to Noble Indy. You know, he was down on the inside of Noble Indy. Noble Indy, you know, and he fought Noble Indy head in head uh, the entire stretch before Noble Indy pulled off. And, of course, we know Noble Indy uh, went on to win uh, the next stake race. So, so 
I, I was, uh, I'm kind of interested in uh, Bill Mott's horse, and I'm kind of interested in uh, Mark Cassie's horse. Very interesting. I love this. I, I a- absolutely love this. Bob Montgomery, uh, who's a champion handicapper, uh, is our guest. Those are some great angles. And, and to be honest with you, it's funny. I was looking at Catholic Boy, too. I know my mother would be betting that horse on Easter <laughs> <Exactly>. weekend. <laughs> and, uh, you know, was was favored that Sam Davis, but was it a prop? I don't know. We will find out. But I read Ortiz, uh, you know, talk about guys that are in the zone and have oh. karma. Uh, he certainly won, and I'm just wondering if so much his attention is going to go on the other horses that I led with that he could be slightly overlooked. But certainly, uh, the day before Easter, he's going to be getting some some hunch. Yeah, I, I think uh, you know. I would think uh, I think I would think Audible will be the favorite, and then uh, Catholic Boy will get serious money and promises fulfilled. I think they'll be the three betting choices, and uh, um, yeah, I like Audible quite a bit, but I think I will, for value, I'll be looking at uh, Mississippi and, uh, and the Bill Mott horse. All right. Well, let's move on to a race that has had uh, impact on the Kentucky Oaks. A lot of points here. Uh, a friend of mine, Ron Paolucci, has three horses in here. Uh, <laughs> 8, 831, Heaven Has My Nicky, and Tell Your Mama. Uh, this is a guy that's not afraid to get up a bat. Most people call him crazy, but sometimes he's crazy like a fox, like when he won the Breeders' Cup with Cara Maria and had 30000 to win on her. So, uh, yeah, I bet her that year, actually, myself. That was a nice, uh, that was a nice disqualification. Yeah, it was. It was. And it really kind of set Ron into the path that he's in now because you see his horses running all over. As a matter of fact, as a Canadian, he's pretty well known as sneaking up across the border and making private purchases up there and bringing them back to North America and making them stakes winners. And and I think the guy is great for the sport because he spends his money and he's not afraid to take chances, right? He races his horses. And if you don't race them, you don't know what can happen. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and uh, and he's believe me, he's he's come away and but he not only races at this level, but yesterday I saw where he had a five thousand dollar claiming winner at Mahoning Valley. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, that's perfect. He, he plays it everywhere. But uh, you know, again, karma changes things that you that you're saying, Bob Montgomery. Bring my eye to Daisy. Blinkers on was too late in the Sun Coast. We got the top three horses in the Sun Coast. Uh, he ended up running uh, second, beating only three quarters of a length. And I'm just listening to you and learning from you. He was too late in that race at uh, a mile and 40 yards. He's going to go a mile and a 16th. I, I, again, I handicap when I download early. I don't have odds. I'm guessing that this horse may well be the favorite. Yeah, I... Uh... You know, I, I went back and watched that, uh, that Tampa Bay race, and, you know, she seemed to race very green, right? She was way wide and looked like she was going to back up on the turn, and then she came back on. So, you know, she had been off for a couple months, so, you know, it's quite reasonable that she takes a big step forward. Um, I try not to listen too much to uh, Twitter and other people's opinions, but there's been a lot of talk on Take Charge Paula and the jockey change with Jose Ortiz. And um, Again, if you go back and watch the replay of her last race, she certainly had a bit of a troubled trip. And uh, whether or not the jockey change will be enough to, uh, to let her have another big step forward, I'm not sure. But the horse I was kind of interested in at a price is uh, Graham Motion's horse, Mirab. And um, uh, Blinker's on. Um, 
is getting Nick Juarez, who's kind of under the radar, but I think he's, he's a pretty solid jockey. Yeah. And um, um, bred for the distance. And then uh, when I went back and watched the replay, she, she really seems to have been racing green. And I don't think we've seen anywhere near her full potential. And hopefully that will come to the forefront with the addition of the blinkers. All right. Well, we're talking with Bob Montgomery, uh, uh, a Canadian champion. Bob, I've only got two minutes left, but I want you to chime in on a race that a friend of mine has in here, and his name is Tim Glyshaw, and he's done a... You, you know? Rally. Yes. No, I yes. sat with Fazad, is it? I sat with him at the Breeders' Cup betting championship, and he was telling me a few stories about the uh, going up to Woodbine and winning the big grade one up in Woodbine by, what, 10 or 15 lengths. Yeah, yeah. At at, at forty nine to one. <laughs> exactly. Not exactly. Not, not, so anyhow, again, now my producer's telling me, John, you got a minute, and he's banging on the window. But anyhow, what do you see in in the Pan American last year's winner, Sadler's Joy's in there too? Could be very dangerous. He was so good last start, and you can only think he's going to improve. But again, this is just a, a bit of a, a second start for Todd Pletcher with Luis Saez, who I believe won six or seven races today at Gulfstream, so he certainly has hot hands. And uh, I think uh, High Happy, if you go back and look at his replays over in Santa Anita, I think there's considerable upside there. All right. Well, Bob Montgomery, it has been an absolute pleasure. You're going to regret the day you gave me your phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you can call. Bob, you're, you're really good. You're really good. I mean, uh, if you ever get away from uh, being, uh, I, I, I think you help people with their money, uh, you, can, yeah. you can help me with my money at the window anytime you want. Uh, well, thank but, you so uh, much. I really appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Well, Bob, you got you got great delivery. I hope you keep winning those contests. Thanks a million for being on Winning Ponies. All the best. All right, that was Bob Montgomery from up there in Canada. Uh, he's going to kick back now and enjoy a nice Labatt's Blue. And I want to thank uh, Terry Meeks for kind of updating us on what's going on trackside with uh, hopefully changes in the way that the uh, tracks care and take care of uh, the, the jockeys that make this game go. Uh, I want to uh, also thank Josh, my producer, who didn't get too mad at me today. It looks like I might even get out in time. And I want to remind everybody, get your easy win forms. Great racing. Gulfstream is going to be just unbelievable on Saturday. So for all those people, I'm John Engelhart. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.